2020 is over. <laughs> hey, don't miss your opportunity, however, to grab the blessing that you couldn't have gotten any other way. So ask the question, Lord, what were you teaching us in the year 2020 that we couldn't have learned any other way? What blessing? Remember, God never wastes a pain. He never wastes a hurt. So he has something that he wants you to get out of the year 2020. If you don't ask what it is, if you don't look for it, you may not see it. And if you look for it, you'll not only see it, Oh, but it'll be an awesome blessing. I'm glad you're with us this morning. We're starting a series I'm super pumped about, the book of Deuteronomy, Choose Life. And I thought, uh, obviously, the best place to start any series on Deuteronomy is with uh, the Border Collie dog. So the Border Collie was developed by, on the borders between England and Scotland as a sheep herding dog. They're reported to be the most intelligent breed of dog. Now, if you have a different breed, obviously, you're going to argue with that. They're very agile, they're very strong, uh, they're very quick. They have a stare that scares the sheep. In fact, one border collie can manage as many as 50 sheep and get them all in a pen together and so forth. They were bred to obey. And this is actually when they find their greatest joy, is when they're actually working on something. So a vet will advise you don't get a border collie if you don't have a job for the Border Collie to do because they're happiest when they're working with you on a job. So if you just get one and you don't give them a job, they're unhappy. Their DNA, their genetic makeup is designed for them to obey towards a task. So in 2019 and 2020, Pink, the Border Collie, won the 16-inch agility competition at the uh, Westminster Kennel Club competitions. And I just want you to see how happy Pink is to obey. Watch the beauty of what Pink experiences when she's living out her genetic disposition. The last dog to go in this exciting 16-inch class is Pink, the Border Collie, handled by Jennifer Crank from Watch Pickerington, the determination. Ohio. Watch the determination here. She can't wait to start. She knows what's coming. Tonight. That is it. On her face. Look at the look on her face. Ooh, go. Jennifer making sure Pink's in that contact zone. Jennifer's up ahead right there. Look at Pink fly. You can't stay ahead of Pink for too long. Stay, stay. Good job. Look at the extension Pink is doing on these jumps. Just beautiful. Nice extension all the way around. Pink's ahead of the pace. Through the weave pulse. Just stay smooth and clean. Phenomenal job. And there Pink will win it. By two seconds. <laughs> so they'll do it again here, beauty. just in slow motion. Just Beautiful watch the slow lines. motion. I want you to hear Jennifer what the announcer says right at the end. Listen to the, what the Pink announcer says right at the end. Gorgeous. Look at this run here at the end. Nothing's going to stop them. Nothing's going to stop them right here. Just beautiful. 
Just be look at that smile. <laughs> just beautiful. You know why it's beautiful? Because she was living the life she was bred to live. Obedience for pink was not a burden. It was a source of great joy. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, yeah, of course, she's a dog. I'm not a dog. Let me ask you, what do all of these individuals have in common? The great musicians, the fantastic athletes, the celebrities, the philosophers, the great orators and those who have shaped history, those who have written some of the greatest literature and poetry in all of history, great inventors and CEOs, performers, those who have changed the world. What do they all have in common? You know what it is? They all understood the rules of excellence. They obeyed them and they became masters. So don't tell me that LeBron James is a slave because he obeyed the rules. He's a master because he understands the rules of excellence. When we look at the book of Deuteronomy, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a book in which God has given us a set of rules that will produce for those who obey them, will produce a life that flourishes, a life that masters all that's important, a life that is beautiful, a life that your spiritual genetics was designed to enjoy. That's what Deuteronomy is about. So when we start the book of Deuteronomy, my intention is not to give you a history lesson on the late Bronze Age as much as I would enjoy that sermon. Instead, my point is to say God is offering us a masterful life. He's offering us a life where your relationship to God and your spirituality can flourish. Your body and your mental health can flourish. Your marriage and your family can flourish. Your work and your money can flourish. Your friends and your neighbors, your relationship to them, it can flourish. Your relationship to society and culture can flourish. Your relationship to your leisure and your technology and your playtime can flourish. That's what it means to master the commands of God. And so we begin Deuteronomy not at chapter 1 but at chapter 30, which is the end of Moses' sermons. He preaches three sermons in this book. At the very end of the last sermon, Moses teaches us what the whole book is actually about. And I want to read this to you, and I hope this text stays in your ears. We're going to come back to it quite a bit because this really does summarize the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 30, beginning at verse 15, listen to what Moses has to say. Now, he's, he spent 30 chapters preaching to the Israelites about how to have a life where if you obey God, you will flourish We'll see some of the things he says. He says, if you obey God, your graves will be so heavy, it'll take two guys to carry them. If you obey God, you'll have so many crops, you won't know what to do. You won't have barns big enough. If you obey God, you'll live so old, you see your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. If you obey God, he says, the sun will shine, the rain will drop. If you will just obey me. And now Moses gets to the end of these three exquisite sermons, and here's what he says. You with me? Verse 15, see, Moses says, I set before you today life and prosperity and death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase 
The Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you're drawn to, away to bow down to other gods, to worship them, I declare to you this day, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And here Moses calls a testimony, calls out a witness. He says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I got super excited about three months ago when I was meeting with the kind of the preaching team at North Boulevard. We got all these young stallions who know how to preach around here. And we were meeting and talking about what to do at the beginning of the year. And I said, I feel like we ought to do something in the Old Testament. And Glimrod said, why don't you preach Deuteronomy? And I thought to myself, oh, I don't want to do that. That's the book. Everybody gets smited in the book. Remember, the smite the Amorites, smite the Hittites, smite the Jebusites. It's got all this kosher law. It's just a, it's a late Bronze Age book. All I could think of was, man, I don't know how I'm going to make this book relevant for 30 weeks. It's 34 chapters. Yeah, I just scared you, didn't I? And then I started reading the book. And man, I fell in love with it. It dawned on me, this is one of the richest books, not just in the Bible, but in all the world. This is a book about the beauty of living a life we were designed to live. This book really will help you in all the areas of your life that you care about. You follow the instruction of this book, you will not only know how to handle your money, but you will discover contentment with your money. And that's really what you want. That's better than wealth. Better than wealth is contentment. You'll discover how to love people that are difficult to love. You'll discover how to deal with pain in a way that's faithful to God. This book is the genetic composition of what it means to be a human who flourishes. So I'll provide you with a lot of resources on this one. We have uh, handouts. You can see them there uh, both online and when you show up at any campus, we'll also have them. The handouts are always free. If you'll go to North Boulevard Church online, then you go down to this tab, you see sermon notes and you're able to click on it. Some of the notes will be fill in the blank, but I've also given you just commentary. We're going to try to provide you with a whole lot of information. Some of it fun, some of it fill in the blank. Some of it may be theolo theological or application, just some fun stuff. If you want to put them all in a notebook, we actually are providing these notebooks. You can call the office. They're probably available at uh, tables at various campuses. We're charging for the notebook, but not to make money, just to offset the cost of so the $3 a piece. In addition to this, if you go on our app, you can get all this information. You can actually go on the app and you can fill in the blanks on the app and you can save it. And you'll kind of have a running commentary on the app as well. We have a DBS bookmark for those of you who are doing your discipleship groups. And we're doing the small group lessons now that are coordinating with this. So uh, once a week, we'll have a video presentation for about 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes. Most of the time, it's me, but not always me. And then we'll have a written life group lesson to go with that. What we're trying to do is immerse ourselves in the beauty of obedience, which is what Deuteronomy is all about. It's a book about obedience. And let me tell you why it matters. So we're going to start filling in the blanks. And this is your first blank. And I will often forget to tell you 
the blanks will be yellow on my uh, screen up here, and they'll be underlined. That'll be your indication as you fill in a blank. We need to talk about obedience because for a lot of us, obedience is a bad word in America. So the last three months, I've been working on this series. I did a lot of reading, uh, philosophical and uh, uh, psychological reading, and just pop culture reading. And I was shocked at how much negativity is associated with the word obedience, that Americans tend to think that obedience is a bad thing. Even philosophically, we read this. And that's because Americans have been, uh, we've been encultured. We have been sensitized to thinking that you should do it your way. And obedience is a form of slavery. Most of us think that obedience is a form of slavery. And we don't realize that obeying God is a form of liberation. So we've been taught, for example, to color outside the lines. That's a virtue in America. I just want to ask you a question. How many of you have gone down to an art store and said, I would like for you to sell me a piece of art where someone just colored all outside the lines? And the answer is, none of you has done that. Because though it sounds good, it sounds so inviting, it sounds so American, it sounds so warm, at the end of the day, it's junk. It's like when you watch five-year-olds play basketball. I mean, you got to do it because they're your kids or your grandkids, but you know it's no good. They're just all running around. They have no idea. Nobody knows what position to hold. They don't know what they're doing. We watch it because we love them, not because it's good. But if you want to watch something good, you watch professional basketball, and you see people who know what they're doing. That's master. What I'm suggesting is that obeying God is better than coloring outside the lines. So we're told to go to restaurants where there are no rules. Elsa sings in the Disney cartoon, no rules for me, I'm free, I'm free. Well, let me just explain to you, when you live a life without rules, you know what that's called? It's called Antifa, and you burn cities down. That real meaning, real richness, real flourishing, real life is found when we discover the God who genetically designed us to obey Him, and then we do it. That's true joy. I just remind you of an old English proverb. If you don't obey God, it doesn't mean you're disobedient totally. It just means you're going to obey another master. All of us are going to obey some master. So the English proverb says, if you don't obey the captain, you will obey the rocks. If you don't obey the captain. So what I want us to see is just that Deuteronomy is not just another Old Testament Bronze Age book. Not another one. Not many of them. It's a book that teaches us how to have a life that flourishes, how to have a life that we were designed to have. Let me give you just a quick introduction to the book of Deuteronomy. It'll be very quick. So Deuteronomy is the fifth of the first five books of the Old Testament. These are very special books. These are the cornerstone books, both for Jews and also for Jesus in the New Testament. They're called the Torah in Hebrew, and you'll hear Jews talk about the Torah, and they mean Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, as the last of these, actually is a summary of the first four. So the word Deuteronomy actually means in Greek the second law. It's the second time the law is given. So what's going on? Well, we'll talk about it in just a second. I just want you to know about Deuteronomy. It's the third most quoted book in the New Testament of all books, including non-biblical books. So the uh, New Testament quotes Isaiah, Psalms, and Deuteronomy. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy more than he quotes any other book. It was Jesus' favorite book. So when we read Deuteronomy, when we listen to Deuteronomy, we're following Jesus because that's what Jesus did. Jesus not only read it, Jesus not only teaches us to obey it, Jesus is the author behind it because he's the God of the Old Testament. 
So what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy? Well, Deuteronomy ultimately comprises three sermons that Moses preached just before he died and just before the Israelites took the land of promise. It's three sermons. It's actually easy to remember. Let me just catch you up on the history that led up to Deuteronomy. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for generations. God says to Moses, I want you to go down, I want you to get the people, and I want you to bring them out of slavery and give them the land that I had promised Abraham. So Moses goes into Egypt. He takes the children of Israel through the ten plagues. They cross the Red Sea. You remember perhaps the story. And they end up down at Sinai where they're given the sacred commands of God. Again, we'll talk about this because in a few chapters from here, we're going to discover the Ten Commandments repeated. And I want you to see the Ten Commandments are a work of beauty. They are a bill of rights. You won't believe it when you see it. I want you to see it in a way perhaps you've never seen it before. So Moses and the Israelites, they go to Sinai, they get the Ten Commandments. And from Sinai, they're expected to go to Kadesh Barnea. It's an 11-day journey from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea is right on the edge of the promised land. And the Israelites, uh, this is the oasis that we think is Kadesh Barnea today. The Israelites are camped at Kadesh Barnea. They're supposed to go in and take the land all the way up to the Euphrates. That's the plan. They send spies in the land. The spies go in the land. And by the way, the spies go in the land and they discover grape clusters so large that they have to put a pole between their shoulders and carry the grapes on the pole. That's our logo, by the way. It's also, you can't tell it from your seats, but there are grapes all over these vines up here because they're going to a land that's flourishing. So the spies come back and they said, it's a crazy great land. And what did the people do? They rebelled. They said, we're not going. God just brought us out here to kill us. God hates us. They rebelled against God. And so God says to them, that's it. I'm not going to give it to you. He said to all the people who are adult and over, you're going to die and your children are going to get it. So instead of going into the promised land, for 40 years, the Israelites have to wander in the region that's called the Negev today, the Sinai and the Negev area, the southern part of Israel, which is a place filled with scorpions, very little water, very little food. Now, 40 years have passed and we get to the book of Deuteronomy. So are you with me? 40 years since the Exodus to Deuteronomy. Moses has led the children of Israel up through the land of Moab. By the way, these are the mountains of Moab when you're standing on the Israeli side looking across the Dead Sea. They're standing there, Mount Moab here, uh, Mount Nebo, I should say. By the way, there are two names for the mountain in the Bible, Nebo and Pisgah. You should notice that those names are used frequently in the U.S. because of the mystical uh, associations we have with this mountain. They are at the foot of Mount Nebo. They're getting ready to cross over. God has said to Moses, you too disobeyed me. You're not going to get to go either. Get Joshua. Joshua will lead the people. All the old folks have died. It's a new generation. Moses is about to send them into the promised land. They can see Jericho across the river. And Moses stands up and he says, I'm giving you three sermons before I die. So this is Moses' final speech. Three sermons before he dies. And the heartbeat of the sermon is actually not very complicated. What he does, and by the way, here's a view from Mount Nebo, two different views. What Moses does is essentially he says, this is the law. And if you obey it, you will live a long, happy life. And if you disobey it, you won't be there for very long. So let me read the text because I want us to read all of Deuteronomy over the course of the next several months. Let's read the first five verses. That's all we have time for today of chapter one. So the opening verses of the book of Deuteronomy. 
These are the words Moses spoke to all of Israel in the wilderness east of Jordan, that is, in the Arabah. Opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hasurot, Dizahab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the way of Sierra Road. So when you're reading all this, you're thinking, where are all these places? Essentially, all that's being said is Moses and the Israelites are now just a mile or two away from the promised land looking across the river. By the way, all those songs we have about looking across the Jordan, they're based on this. Like if you're older, you remember these songs on Jordan's stormy banks I stand. They're based on Deuteronomy 1. I look across to the promised land. That's what's going on. Moses is standing there with these people, and he's getting ready to let them go. They're going across. He's about to die. So what does he do? He says, here are my final sermons to you. Let's keep reading. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and at Edria had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned at Ashtoreth. We'll look at all that later. That's what you see right now. Moses is perched. He's about to die. He gives his final sermons, and we'll end with this verse. East of Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound the law, saying, dot, dot, dot. We'll start next week. It's three sermons. And so Deuteronomy is actually pretty easy to follow. It's three sermons punctuated by some historical things. So, for example, here is what we get. We have the first five verses, the setting. The first sermon Moses preaches, he just tells the story of how we got to where we are. He goes back through their history. Just remind yourself, if you don't remember whence you've come, you often don't know where to go. After this, he establishes some refuge cities. We'll talk about that later. Then he preaches his second sermon. His second sermon is the bulk of the book of Deuteronomy. In the second sermon, Moses reviews all the commands of God. And he says, if you will do this, you will flourish. So he just repeats the main commands of God in the second sermon. Then he concludes with a third sermon, which is the shortest sermon. And in the third sermon, Moses sets it out. He says, do what I'm telling you and you'll live. And if you don't do what I'm telling you, you will be cursed. And then Moses does something so touching. You remember how's that song go? I should ask you between services, Sean. Sing the song of Moses and the Lamb by and by and by. What song is that? Is that on Jordan's Stormy? Okay. Moses sings a song to his church. Don't, by the way, don't you love a preacher who sings to his church? This seems to me that you, don't you just want to cuddle with a preacher like that? So Moses sings a song to his church. He's about to die. He sings a song, and then he offers a final blessing to them, and then the end of the book occurs and Moses dies. By the way, there are texts that indicate Moses wrote sections of the book of Deuteronomy himself, but in its final form, it appears at least to many of us, including me, that it was assembled by someone else, especially when you consider the fact that Moses' own death is described and then events after his death are also talked about. So uh, God can do that if he wants to, but it seems to me that the book was probably somebody collecting Moses' speeches and then putting them together some years later. So this is it. This is how the book of Deuteronomy flows. It's three sermons. And we'll see how the sermons unfold, but I want you to see the theme because the theme of the book of Deuteronomy is, again, very simple. God says to the Israelites, if you will obey these commands, you will have an awesome life. If you disobey me, it's going to go terrible. I want you to see how much obedience figures into this book, remembering that North Americans think obedience is a bad word. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. We need to reverse that, my friends. We need to realize that obedience is a very good word. It's a beautiful word. You saw the dog Pink, right? Did Pink look miserable? 
Pink was fully obedient. Did Pink look like an unhappy? Let me tell you, you want to see Pink get unhappy? You don't. But if you did, you know what you could do? Don't let Pink run. Don't let Pink obey. That's why vets tell you don't get a border collie if you're not going to give it a job to do with you because they're happiest when they're obeying because they're genetically designed to live that kind of life. You were genetically designed to follow the teachings of God. And when you don't do it, it doesn't go well. Obedience is important. So if you just rank use of the NIV, if you rank the number of the uses of the word obey in your Bible, Deuteronomy has one out of every five uses of the word obey, more than any other book of the Bible. It's a book about obedience. So just listen to a few texts, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 3. Be careful to obey so that it will go well with you. Here's one, Deuteronomy 6, 24. The Lord commanded us to obey so we might always prosper. How about this one, 25? Be careful to obey and then we'll be righteous. We'll be right with God. Deuteronomy 11. If you obey the commands, I'll send rain on you. You'll have grain and wine and olive oil. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. If you obey the Lord, the Lord will set you high above all other nations. Now, I want to talk about this for a moment. Because over and over again, Deuteronomy promises great rewards for those who obey God. There are two kinds of rewards. This is fun. Stay with me. There are two kinds of rewards. Uh, those of you who work in HR, uh, if you work in education, uh, if you're a motivational coach, whatnot, you know this. There are two kinds of rewards. The first kind of reward is the cookie. It's called the extrinsic reward. This is when you give somebody something as a reward, but it's not in any way particularly related to the thing they did. So, for example, you say to your child, if you clean your room up, I'll give you a cookie. There's no organic relationship between cookies and clean rooms. You, in a lot of ways, even a paycheck is this. You know, if you do a good job, we'll give you 5,000 pictures of George Washington. There's no organic relationship between pictures of George Washington and your work. It's an, it's an extrinsic reward. And by the way, extrinsic rewards work. That's why we do them. Like imagine saying to your child, your seven-year-old, if you clean your room, you'll become a master of clean rooms. Like if I'm, I'm advising you, don't depend on that. Especially with children, extrinsic rewards work. That is giving somebody something. God uses this. God actually uses this kind of reward, especially for the less mature. I'm not knocking you, but I'm saying some of us are not mature enough for the other kind of reward. We just need a cookie. There's a second kind of reward that God does, and this is the more popular reward in the book of Deuteronomy. It's called intrinsic. So my son, a couple of years ago, earned his black belt. According to Ken Carlson, who is a grandmaster at Taekwondo, John earned his black belt faster than any other person in the history of the sport of Taekwondo. He would meet, I don't know how often, maybe two hours a day for just at six months. He worked hard. This is, by the way, he, Ken put his own black belt. This, he, John got his special black belt, then Ken took his own black belt off, his very first black belt, and wrapped it around John. Let me ask you a question. What was Jonathan's reward for working that hard? A cookie? 5,000 pictures of George Washington? No, his reward was he became a master of Taekwondo. The thing he did was his reward. It's what's called an intrinsic reward. That's when you feel great about who you are because of what you did. So, for example, if you lose weight, 
like I'm kind of a cartoon of how to gain and lose and gain. It must be entertaining to watch me. The reward is not you get a cookie. The reward is you feel good. You feel like you got a little control of yourself again. So many times in the book of Deuteronomy, it's the intrinsic reward that God mentions. If you will live a sexually pure life, you'll have a healthy family. It's not a cookie. And if you live, a, if you sin sexually, you will destroy your family. It's an intrinsic punishment and an intrinsic reward. It's not like God is arbitrarily up there saying, you know, let's just see how we can hurt them. What he's suggesting is living the right kind of life produces its own rewards. And that's what Deuteronomy is filled with. Let me just give you um, this premise here. God's commands are not arbitrary. They're designed to help us master life. They're designed to help us flourish. For example, when you practice the kind of money management the Bible teaches you, you will work hard and you will give a fair day's work. You will not be lazy. If you're lazy, you're not following the biblical teaching. You work hard, you give a good day's work, you get a salary. You take the salary, you invest a little bit because the Bible teaches us to save. You're generous with your money. And what tends to happen? Many cases you become wealthy. But even when you don't, your generosity leads you to become something even better than wealthy, which is what? Content. Obeying what the Bible teaches about money produces contentment. It's not like you get a cookie at the end of it. That would be nice. It's that the the obedience produces its own intrinsic reward. So the book of Deuteronomy is teaching us, if you will do this, great things will happen. And when you don't do it, you're just going to face all kinds of problems. I want to move pretty quickly here. I want you to see that when we obey, it goes well not only with us, but it goes well with our descendants. And I just want to say this to you. I don't know why I'm pointing to you guys online, because I haven't addressed you yet specifically. When you become disobedient, I want to make sure you understand you are cursing yourself, you're cursing your children, and you may be cursing your descendants for 10 generations. You think about that because that's what the Bible teaches. Obedience blesses us and our descendants, and disobedience curses us and our descendants. If you love your grandchildren, you better obey God because if you disobey God, you're teaching them to disobey God. And it will affect generations. Obedience to God prevents us from conforming to the values around us. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Obedience to God sets us free from what is real bondage. You know what real bondage is? Real bondage is not obeying God. That's not bondage. Obeying the author of life is bondage? No way. That's liberation. I'll tell you what bondage is. Bondage is when you obey sin. When you're stuck in an addiction. That's bondage. Bondage is when you're a slave to your sensual pleasures. That's bondage. Bondage is when you're serving yourself, when you think you're more important than anybody else. That's real bondage. Obedience to God sets us free from those forms of bondage. Obedience to God creates the best possible world. I just want to say it again. Think about, I put it in here, this thought experiment. Imagine a world where everybody obeyed the commands of God. Imagine a world where everybody treated one another with respect. What would it be like? I don't think politicians lie any more than the rest of us, but they have more power when they lie. Imagine a world where no politician ever lies again. Imagine a world where no man ever mistreats another woman. Imagine, can you imagine that world? Can you imagine a world where no child is ever abandoned again by the parents? Can you imagine what that, that's what it would look like if everybody followed the commands of God. That's not a form of slavery, my friend. That's a form of liberation. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. 
We're, we're entering a new world, a new uh, year, I should say, probably a new world too. I'm going to give you a challenge. I want you to take me up on this. I want to challenge you to grow in the area of obedience in 2021. I want to ask you to write something down. So get a pencil out. If you have your notes, it's a, there's a blank on there. If not, just grab a piece of paper or write on the back of your hand or whatever. The first thing I want you to write down, I want you to write it down in code language that only you would know. That way, if you don't do a very good job, nobody else will know it except you and God. I want to ask you to do something. In 2021, I want to ask you to identify three areas where you want to grow in your obedience. Three areas. I've listed some options down there. And I'm going to pray with my family every day. I need to get over this bad habit I've got. I'm going to end that addiction. Uh, you know, it's probably time for me to get serious about my finances. Whatever it is, I want you to name three areas. And by the way, if you'll write it in code, then your husband won't look over and say, yeah, you sure do need to do that. You don't want that. And then I want you to spend this week, just a few minutes every day, asking God, are these the right three? And put them in order. I'm asking you to do this. I'm going to come back to it. Because listen, if you don't do something like this, you don't have to do my thing. But if you don't do something like this, you know what? You're going to be a hearer of the word and not a doer. And the person who hears the word and doesn't do it is twice as guilty as the person who never heard it. So I'm asking you to do something with the book of Deuteronomy. So talk to God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with these things? Now, there are two questions that will help you stay focused. Whenever you set for yourself New Year's goals, two things that actually will provide you a little bit more motivation. They're not the final solution, but a little more motivation. One of them is take the way you're doing it now and play it out over the next 20 years. How's it feel? So I, I ask myself the question, how long do I want to have this gut hanging over my belt? Do I still want it in 20 years? Drag that baby out for 20 years. You really want that pain for 20 years? And when you drag it out, you might say, no, I don't want that. And then do this. Ask yourself the question, what kind of blessing will I be feeling in 20 years if I get hold of this today? Drag that thing out. Try to understand the consequences of the decisions that you're making. When you do this, you need to strengthen it. I'm asking you by next Sunday, come here. We're going to talk about it. Come here. Come online. Ready to make a decision. Make a commitment. I'm asking you to do that. Y'all with me? Just nod. You don't have to, don't say, yes, I'm going to do it because you hadn't decided yet. But just say, yes, I hear you, David, because you really are behind those masks. So I'm so clueless as to how you're responding to me right now. I can, you know, I can see you in the television screen too. I see your new pajamas. I see you're wearing gym shorts. I can see all of it. Sometimes to decide you have to go cold turkey. If you've got an addiction, you may have to go cold turkey. If you've got a big sin in your life, you need to go cold turkey. But don't be afraid in other areas to start small to end big. So, for example, if you think to yourself, I need to pray a little bit more. You know, I, I brag on him a lot. My son, I don't know how much he prays. John, at times in his life, has prayed an hour, two hours a day. But you have to start small to get there. You may sit there and say, I don't even, I, I don't know what I, I can't even talk to my friends for an hour a day, much less to God. Then start small. Start with two minutes. Don't be afraid to start small in order to end big. We're going to take a whole year to strengthen our obedience. Now, when you make the decision, move quickly to get the resources you need. Don't put this one off. Don't say, I'm going to lose weight this year. And so sometime in March, I think I'll buy an elliptical. I'm telling you, you're toast if you do that. When you make the decision, act on it. If you've got an addiction, if you've got a hurt, if you've got a bad habit, you need to get to CR this week. 
Don't wait. Talk to your discipler. If you need a book, if, you're, if you've got some bad habit and, you're, and it's part of the way you live your life, pull out your calendar and rip it up and reschedule your life. Act quickly. Take some big step to get the help that you need. Number six, every day spend time with God just saying, Lord, help me with this, help me with this, because the Holy Spirit, that's what He does. Every time you win, celebrate. Celebrate every win, even the tiniest of wins. If you fall down, you don't have to jump off a cliff. You don't have to drink poison if you fall down. You don't have to give up and say, I knew I couldn't. Oh, don't. Just get back up. If you fall a hundred times, get up a hundred times. And then share with somebody else what God is doing in your life. And then on December 31st, 2021, if we have not burned those infernal masks by that date, let's make that part of the party we're going to have on December 31st, 2021, where we celebrate the growth of obedience we have all enjoyed, where God blessed us richly because we obeyed Him. And maybe we'll burn some masks too. Here's the deal. Yeah, clap. Why not? (laughs) If you don't clap, I'll sing at you. Here's the deal, my friends. This is not a book about the Bronze Age. It's not a sermon series about the Bronze Age. It's not a sermon series about the Amorites, or the Hittites, the Havites, the Gergesites. This is a series about the blessing God wants to give you if you will just do it His way. And I'm telling you, when we obey God, it brings a profound sense of contentment, joy even. That's what Molly the boxer teaches us. So Molly, she's no pink. She's not a border collie. But she's been going to obedience school, Molly has. And she has learned to sit. And when her master says, come, she knows to come and she knows to sit as soon as she gets there. But she is so thrilled to obey her master, Molly is. Well, I just want you to see the joy of obedience. That's obedience. That's obedience right there. That's the beauty of obedience. That's the joy of obedience. That's what happens when you realize I was spiritually, genetically designed to live as God wants me to live. And when I do it, I got the life He wanted me to live. Let's stand up. Let's sing. I put an ask on you now, an ask, A-S-K. I put an ask on you. I've asked you by next week, come up with your big three. Talk to God about it. We'll talk again next week. Let's sing.